Psalm 63. I want you, after I read this, to stretch your hand and pray for me. I've been feeling really weird this, this last couple, not feeling well, and it's not like flu or anything. So just, just pray for me. Um, but I, w- I want us to read this and look at it. It says, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. This is the only verse I want to preach. I got a question tonight. Are you thirsty for him? It's the only question I have. If you're not thirsty for him, it's amazing how when your desire changes and you tell him you're not thirsty, how he can make you thirsty. You got to realize you're not there though. Maybe you're there. There's more. Don't, if you're just, if you're, listen, this happens. Let's pray first. Keep that. I want you to see what the man after God's heart, after all he had seen and all he had done, he was still thirsty. Some of us in here have defeated Goliath in so many ways, whether it be fear or whether it be bad relationships or whether it be all these different things. Are we still thirsty? Because David, after he did all that, was still thirsty. So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We pray that you stir us, God. And more than stir us, that you change us. Make us thirsty, Father, for you in Jesus' name. Amen. So put that back up, Ben. It's one verse. I want you to see this is the standard for a believer. And if you don't meet the standard, then the obvious option is for us to repent and ask God. Remember Sunday night? Without him, we can do nothing. He is the source of our desperation and our need. We have to see it that we don't have it. Does your, does your soul thirst for him? I was reading all these stats about thirst and how you, when you become dehydrated, it automatically triggers your brain to be thirsty. 80% of your brain's water. That's why if you're like me and you drink a lot of coffee, you better make sure you're drinking a lot of water because you're dehydrating yourself with the caffeine and it's a, it's a catch-22. But, but all of a sudden it says you can get muscle fatigue and memory fog. I see a lot of Christians that don't have enough water, spiritual water, that they're in a fog, they have muscle fatigue, they haven't done anything for the kingdom ever. But they say, I'm a believer. But that water's not flowing through their body spiritually. There should be a hunger inside every believer. And if it's not, God doesn't condemn us. He encourages us. My whole prayer this whole week since he's been talking to me is, oh, God, make me thirsty for you. Make me where I all, you ever woke up and first thing in the morning, you just have this crazy, and it don't happen to me all the time, but like once in two or three years, I wake up and I just want to feel like the tea pitcher full of water and just be like, you ever wake up like that? That's how we should be when we come into the house of God. That we don't care what anybody thinks. I wouldn't care if the president was in my house. I'd have to get some water. I wake up that one time and I'm like, oh man, I'm so thirsty. We have to be like that. Look at Matthew 5 verse 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. And everybody's like quoting it in their head. We got this. You don't got this. If you had this, this place, even though it's spring break and there's people missing, this place would be packed if we had this. Blessed 
And I don't know why we say blessed instead of blessed. It's some kind of hyper-spiritual thing that we do. I don't, I don't really understand it. Blessed. It's, it's the same word for blessed in English. How about we do it that way? The English translation is blessed. Because there's no marks that make it weird. It means happy. I'm telling you. I have ran this word to the Greek and ran it to the ground. And Jesus, when he steps out on the scene, he's got all these people that are bound by religion. And they are not happy. They're doing everything out of religious rituals. They don't even understand anymore why they're doing what they're doing. They're just doing it. And he walks out and is like, hey, if you really want to be happy. Now this is not talking about when the world's like, whatever makes you happy, do it. Let's not, let's, that's not happy. That'll kill you. That's destructive happiness. That's, oh, this is fun until we burn. So I'm not talking about that kind of happiness. I'm talking about a fortune and a well-being of your soul and your body. We heard it this, this Sunday morning. Is it well? Yeah, I don't care about my circumstances. On the inside, my soul is well. Therefore, I am well. It doesn't matter what's happening to me on the outside. This life is temporal and short. And Jesus says, look, if you've got a hunger and thirst to be like God and for more of God, then you will be filled, but you'll be happy and filled. That's why a lot of Christians are miserable and not filled. Boy, we've got everything we could imagine and want, don't we? But yet so many Christians are unsatisfied. It's like, we need God and... I thought about it. I would hate to be an up-and-coming preacher. Some people call me a young preacher and I die laughing. I'm like, my Lord, I didn't see what the, I'm 37. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. I'm not a young preacher. I would hate to be a young preacher in this generation because they have this little caveat in services now. Everywhere I go, it's like, you better bring it in worship. I mean, you better bring it. It better have the, the lights better be synchronated. Our little wristbands better match. Our little glow sticks better match. You better have a crew that's hyping us up. And you better make sure in that service that preacher doesn't dare take any pauses. He better not be slow. He better not stutter one bit. He better just crush it because that's what I need from God. That is not God. That is entertainment. Some of the most powerful men I know as preachers would score Fs. When it comes to hermeneutics and homiletics and hermeneutics, I've taken all those classes. I died laughing because they told you all you're supposed to do to be a great preacher. And I'm like, every great preacher I know would fail every bit of this. Because step one should be the anointing. Now, should we have things we do? Sure, don't get me wrong. But do you not feel that when we come? Like if there's not a performance that we're not really... Like, it better, man, don't waste my time. Don't waste my time. You better smash it. You better smash it. What about, man, let me come to you, Lord. If you don't come, I don't need to hear a preacher. I've heard too many sermons. Y'all, if I want to hear good preaching, I don't have to come to Mount Olive. I listen to good preach. I heard a great sermon this morning. We're, we're in the technological age. If I want to hear good preaching, I don't need Mount Olive. I got it on my cell phone. I don't come here for good preaching. I come here to meet with him and to meet with our fellowship 
of believers in the family of God and us corporately lift up God from our hearts. And if we would get this thirst, I said we would get this thirst, the desire for all the other entertainment aspects would go away. Because see, it's funny, the churches that I bragged on when I was a kid, they wouldn't make it nowadays. Most of them are closing their door. We refer to them as backwoods or stuff like that. There is no order of service. The Holy Spirit orchestrated the service. There was no, we're going to leave at 1145 on Sunday morning. There was, we're going to see what God wants to do. And when he's done, then we'll leave. I mean, they were crazy. They didn't have a worship list, which I'm glad we do. Glad we pray about one. They'd call people up. Hey, you want to get in the choir? Come on up. Sing. What? <laughs> that thinking scares me to death. I'm like, all these people never got hugged. This generation, you couldn't do it. You could do it then. Nowadays, people didn't get hugged. They'd be up there doing all kind of crazy stuff. About the look at me show, and that's totally different. But man, they, they'd just be like, come on up and sing. He'd be like, brother, I think we need to sing number 56. And they'd, the piano player would be like, F sharp. F, and they'd go. They'd just all start singing. And the Holy Spirit would start moving. They were not trained or conditioned for a show. They brought the show with them. And they wanted more of it. Amen? All right, stay with me. I got a cool point to make. Are y'all tired like I am? You need to come up here and preach because I felt all of a sudden great. John 7. I'm very thankful for the anointing. It says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, I wept in my office today when God showed me this. On the last, I want you to see this. Don't just read over scripture. Let the Holy Spirit highlight words to you. On the last, and I know this is not preaching, but I, this is a teaching environment. This is how we make disciples. The last day of the feast. There's importance there because he mentions that it was the last day. The greatest day, the greatest day of the feast. All right? You got to catch that. So this feast has been going on many days. Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or his heart shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believe in him would receive. How many of you have received the spirit of God? For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So on the last day, I want to read this from a Jewish rabbi, what was happening in that ceremony. It says, as the ceremony took place, Levites played lyres, trumpets, harps, cymbals, and other instruments. Sounds like our churches, doesn't it? While other Levites sang, in the temple area, three golden candlesticks, nearly 75 feet, I would love to see that, were lit by young boys climbing tall ladders. Boys with fire climbing ladders in the church service, Wow. That sounds like a terrible idea. And the light from these candlesticks could be seen throughout all Jerusalem, which I think that's cool. There's definitely something in that. Respected men of faith danced, 
sang in front of these candlesticks while carrying burning torches. Now the rabbi calls them great men of faith because he's a rabbi. He's, they're not great men of faith because they don't know Jesus Christ. They only know Jehovah. They don't believe Jesus has come yet. So don't let, I don't want to trip up anybody where I read this, but you need to get the history. As the ceremony progressed through the night, the priest blew the shofar three times. Sounds like some of our Pentecostal churches. In the manner of the text of Isaiah 12 and 3, they read, Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. The evening was characterized by exuberant joy. It was a wonderful occasion that no one wanted to miss. Stay with me. Sometimes rabbis would perform acrobats and juggle flaming torches as part of the festival. This is what got me to cry. Because this Jewish guy who doesn't know Christ is saying this was one of the most amazing days there was. Everybody was singing and everybody was jumping. And they even had like the modern churches in America, acrobats. And they were swallowing swords and they were throwing torches. And Jesus Christ comes into this atmosphere and he doesn't rejoice. He screams out, if any man thirst, if you are tired of dead religion, if you're tired of just coming to church and watching music and hearing sermons and you really want an encounter with God, if you are thirsty, come to me. It's not about the entertainment. It's not about the acrobat. It's not about the lighting. You have to know him. We are there today. We're the same way. And people talk about how great our churches are, but Jesus would pass by and say the same thing. You Listen, the other thing that I didn't read that's happening is he's taking from the pool of Shalom, which, man, I could go all the way back to the Old Testament Genesis and start talking about what all happened at the pool of Shalom. Even Hezekiah changed it and moved it through underground into Jerusalem, which is super cool for back then. They had an underground aqueduct aqueduct whatever and they had all this stuff at the pool of shalom the priests would take that water they would carry it and sing and they would quote that scripture i read in isaiah about joy of sacrifice and they would pour it out as an offering to god and they thought they were doing something awesome and jesus christ is there i wonder how many times we think we're pouring out dead water and Jesus Christ is standing there going, I don't really want your sacrifice in here. I want your life out there. I want you to come drink. If you're really thirsty, I want to fill you with my Holy Spirit. I was thinking today, how many problems could be fixed in every church if the members would get filled with the Holy Spirit? You wouldn't have to write a law like how to dress. You wouldn't have to talk about how to talk, how to act. The Holy Spirit would teach you. You have need that no man teach you. But the Spirit himself teaches you. And that does not mean don't have men preachers. What that means is if you come in here with the Holy Spirit, and I have the Holy Spirit, as I'm the Holy Spirit's flowing the word out, I'm not teaching you. The Spirit of God on you is applying it to you. I love it. When I first started preaching, Papa told me something. He said, Preaching is the most amazing thing. You make one statement under the anointing and it hits 45 people 45 different ways and it blesses them in 45 different areas. 
Only God can do that. I do not want us, us, to be like, man, we've got all this stuff. Man, we've got all this going on. Man, we're even having a joyful time at Evangel. Joyful can't be until souls are saved. Joyful can't be until your life gets on track. Listen, this, he said he speaks of the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to sit here and try to talk to you. And I could teach you, and I've taught people for 20 years. You need to get this word and read what it says about the Holy Spirit, who he is. I've got a dear friend whose sister has fallen away. And his dad asked him one night, how do you pray for your sister? And he says, I don't, the Holy Spirit does. That's probably not the whole story, but it's close enough. And his dad started crying. The Holy Spirit can pray for us. You know what else he does? He stirs up that hunger. Are we not all so easily satisfied? Honestly, do we not get settled? Back to David. If I would have killed Goliath, I would have been worthless to God for probably 10 years. So would David have. And that's exactly how long he had to run from Saul to get all that pride out of him. And he's writing. It didn't matter about killing the, the it didn't matter that people were chanting that I've killed my tens of thousands. Because at the end of the day, what people say doesn't matter. We have to get thirsty. When you're thirsty from out there and you come in here, you'll obey the Holy Spirit. I, I was thinking, how many times has the Holy Spirit wanted to use somebody? But because they didn't come ready to obey and hungry for his move, we missed it. See, when I was raised, we used to talk about the keys of revival. We would say in the service, God used me as a key to spark this service. I wasn't a preacher then. I was a member. I was like, God, just please, if you don't use me, use somebody. Come in the service. Don't let a single sinner sit in the seat and go away not just persuaded of your love and your forgiving power and your convicting power. But you know I say that about sinners all the time and I want to say it sometimes like this. God convict the Christian of their lack of prayer and their lack of desire and their lack of hunger and their lack of thirst. I have no time for real. I feel like I have no time. And when he showed me this, I saw something. He doesn't need your four-hour prayers to get thirsty. He just needs your heart to say, here's my heart. Make it thirsty. I don't have five hours, God. But what I do have when I'm thirsty, I start shifting what I want. Because I want to spend with you. Why would most people that aren't saved that comes to our churches, why would they want to get saved? It looks the same way. Am I lying? They, you want to talk about their favorite show? 
Every believer can talk about it. You want to talk about what they do in their spare time? Every believer can talk about it. There's no separation. There's no separation. Y'all know me. I'm not preaching something like lock yourself up and don't cut your hair and wear denim. No, that, that's all. Oh, maybe sometimes we should even maybe revisit that. I don't know. No, I'm talking about the way we talk and the way we act and the way when we're hungry about him, we can't gossip. We encourage. And when we get close to him, we build and we pray and we speak life. And our hearts are not on dead things of this world. Our hearts are hungry for him. We don't care. Like I'm getting to this weird place. I don't even care about politics anymore. Don't even talk to me about it. I don't care. Well, it's people like you who let the world go to crap. No, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. And if we'll pray and the people will get their hearts changed, you won't have to worry about them voting right because they'll vote by the standard of God's word. And God's word clearly defines what your sexuality is. And even in Romans, he says, and by the way, it's natural. You're... Your sexuality, there's no kids in here, was made by God and everything fits the right way he made it. The end. It's right there in Romans 1. It also tells you, hey, and by the way, the way we treat people, the way we treat infant life, the people in this world that were full of devils sacrificed babies so we would never align ourselves with murder. We don't need to be watching politics. We need to get back to this in our hearts and start influencing everybody around us by the power of God. It will change the nation. They put out this new hate speech thing. You can't talk about anybody in it, but they left out Christians. I like it. They will push us and think they are smothering us and they'll find out what Japan did in World War II. They'll awake a sleeping giant. They'll push us to a place where Christians will have to pray again. Hey, uh, I think it's great. Maryland just said, hey, we can just kill people. With their, we can just go ahead and just kill them off. We can just assisted suicide, pass today. And people are like, well, it's their choice. And I want to be like, you have no wisdom. It's coming down the pipe where your granny could maybe live and they're going to say, she's a drain on the economy. Hashtag socialism. Boom, she's gone. It's murder. It's the spirit of this world. And if you're not careful, you'd be like me, you get so mad. You forget, man, I've got a kingdom it's not of this world. We, we can pray the kingdom of God into America. Pastor Carter Conlon and Times Square Church this week are taking the initiative to start a revival because that garbage started in New York and they take it as their responsibility. They're fasting Tuesday, today, and tomorrow and having prayer every night. He's called for a fast. That's our weapons. That's how we fight our battles.
That's how we bring down strongholds, spiritual strongholds. I want to challenge you tonight. If you're not hungry or thirsty for him, please get hungry or thirsty. What I've found out is the more I pray that and say, God, I'm not thirsty, I'll give you the glory if you'll make me thirsty. It starts shifting your perspective to eternity. You know, that person that you don't pray for that much that you know is not going to heaven, when you get thirsty for him, you begin to weep for him. And you don't have to say, I need a heart for the lost. He begins to give you his heart. I've got relatives right now that if they died right now, they would go to hell. And I love them. But no matter how much my flesh loves them, I can't seem to pray for them like I need to. Let's just be honest. But man, when I start hungering for God, you start getting his heart for people because God understands eternity. God understands that if we miss people, it's not just like, oh, well, we missed them. They go into eternity unprepared. If you're in here tonight, I really feel like every single time I preach, I'm going to ask people that aren't saved, but I'm also going to ask people that are saved, both. Because what happens is you say, everybody stand, and everybody does this, and you're like, if you don't know Christ, come down. And all the people that are cold, that know they're cold, that love God, want to come down, and then they have this little internal war it's like, well, if I go down now, they'll think I'm a sinner. Who cares, first of all? But we're going to make it easier. We're going to tell everybody that wants to to come down. Because I'll tell you, somebody brought that to my attention. I've never thought about it. I've been preaching a long time. From, but it's true. Yes, if you're not living right tonight and you would die and go to hell, you are priority number one. But a very close second to that is a believer that says they know God and know the power of God and they believe in the word of God that live a defeated life. Oh God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. And everybody's like, well, I don't read enough Bible. Just keep reading those two verses till you get them. I found out I don't do Bible plans. And listen, people do and they excel at them. Because the Bible says meditate on his word. I get caught up on things. And I just got caught up on thirst. Ben, put my last scripture up. I'm not done. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me. This is what I feel like he put, gave to the church. I'm sorry. I skipped that one too. That was a good one. But go to Isaiah 44, 1 through 3. He says, and this is how I'll close. He says, now, yet now listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, who I've chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb. You think God cares about us? You say, he said Jacob and Israel. I'm glad you said that because you need to read in Romans where he says they're not of Israel who are of Israel. We have been engrafted in. He is definitely talking to us because of Jesus Christ who made you, he formed you from the womb. And I love this. Talking about thinking about it all day, he's going to help you. He's like, hey, I made you. 
I understand your shortcomings. I am not surprised by your lack of desire for me and my kingdom. I'm not shocked by it because you're human and I made you. And then he says, and by the way, don't be discouraged when you hear that. Look up to me, I'll help you. Man, this is powerful verses. And then he says, and by the way, don't fear. You are my servant and I chose you. I could have picked anybody I wanted to, but I chose you. I placed you here and I put my hand on you. And then this is verse three. And this is what I love. He says, I will pour water on him who, what? Thirsty. And floods on the dry ground. Some of you have been dry for so long. It's time that you look up and believe that he will flood the dry places of your life with his spirit. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. I have prayed this prayer right here since I got here 18 years ago. God showed it to me in a time of prayer and he reminded me that I've prayed this over this church so many times. It's his word. But I want to look at the top line and we'll close. If you are not thirsty... He's not going to move his spirit on you. You're not just going to get, listen, you say, well, it'll just flow on everybody. I've been in too many services. The people that didn't want it didn't get it. Now, you might not even look like you want it, but on the inside, you might even had some desire for it. You might get it. But if we'll just open our mouths and our hearts and say, God, I want to be thirsty. You promised to just fill me. Now, maybe we need to have classes on Wednesday night on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and lay it out scripturally how it's not just a bunch of weirdness, it's straight Bible. But he wants to flood our hearts. I, I don't know how to pray sometimes and I worry about people that aren't filled with the Spirit. How do they pray? You know, one of the saddest things I ask people all the time at the altar and they're honest and I appreciate it, Say, so when's the last time God just flowed through you and you prayed in the Holy Spirit? It's been a long time. I don't care what you're up here for. You're up here for the wrong reason if it's not to remedy that first. He's gasoline. Jesus Christ said, it's expedient that I leave you. Now that's a crazy statement, but I gotta go because I can only be in one place at one time. But when I go, I'm going to send you the same as me. We're going to call him the comforter and he will help you. He will Listen, when I, when I pray in the Holy Spirit, this Bible becomes alive. I mean, it is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I would hate to try to get up a sermon for y'all without the Holy Spirit helping me. He knows your hearts. I don't. I'd have probably preached on David and Goliath or something or not. Just random, well, that sounds good. Let's preach on something. Moses. No, the Holy Spirit had set this tonight and wants to stir who's here to be thirsty again. I'll tell you something. I did it tonight. Some of you got to thinking about water because I started talking about getting a drink. It's contagious. I started talking to you about getting a big drink and you started thinking, man, I would like a Powerade right now. If we'll get thirsty when we get around other believers, we'll make them more thirsty. Amen? Everybody stand. Do you have a CD? This is what I want to do. We are 10 minutes before anybody's class is getting out. That's by design. 
We could have kept worshiping a little bit tonight, but I cut it off because I knew what, normally I would have given Lucas the green light. He was waiting on it. We've flown together for so long. We just flow. But I wanted this 10 minutes now. I want you to start asking God to make you thirsty. I'm talking about where like, when I got saved, I was crazy to people that hung out with me the night before. Like my desires changed. All I wanted was to be close to him. I didn't make decisions without being like, Lord, I know you, you're in my life. That's why that scripture in Isaiah means so much to people. He's telling them, hey, I formed you in your, the mother's womb. I'm going to help you and my hands are, I'm going to strengthen you. You're not going to fail. So I want to pray tonight as a church that we get a hunger and thirst for him. You say, man, you start talking about the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm confused. Okay, don't, don't go there. I'm one of those guys. Don't go there. Jesus Christ is the baptizer. You seek him. Let's just put it there. Get thirsty for Christ. He'll give you the knowledge of this, but, but he's first priority. Amen.